Some time ago, my friend Mike called me and said, Steve, I have a message for you. You have to make a podcast. It's very important. Do it now. And I said, okay, I will. Can you provide me with extra time to do that during my busy schedule? He said he couldn't do that. But then I managed to free up some time. So here's my podcast, Audio Chimera. This is episode number 14, Weak Medium. One night in the 1980s, the year a very popular movie happened to be... When I was walking through the woods at a summer camp, having just heard and experienced a most compelling ghost story, I totally understood what the people of the Middle Ages must have been feeling. You see, when I teach medieval theater, I tend to paint a bleak picture of the so-called Dark Ages. And one of the literally darkest parts that I mention is how, when people would be walking in a forest at night, seeing ground dappled by moonlight that is filtered through the leaves and branches of the trees, their uncorrected eyesight, along with the rod cells seeing things not very clearly in the periphery, well, it's no wonder that people thought they saw spirits and ghosts. Add in the priests telling them that their bodies were battlegrounds being fought over by angels and demons on a daily basis, and sprinkle in some ergot, which is bread mold with the same properties as LSD, and you have all the ingredients of a full-blown spiritual sighting. It was my first summer as a counselor at the arts camp. We quickly discovered that any time we could get away from our duties was a godsend. Sleeping in a bunk with teenagers and working all day and evening meant that our hours were basically 24 hours a day for six days a week. We did get one day a week off, but we still needed some breaks in between. Perhaps this explains why Carnival became such a big deal in the Middle Ages. I submit. I submit to the will of Landru. Festival! Festival! One place to get a break was a nearby roadhouse, and one night, three of us, Sean from Ireland and a young woman music instructor, let's call her Blanche, not her real name, conspired to get away for a few hours and for a few beers. Specifically, Moosehead. By the end of the evening, we left our table with the bottles looking like pins set up in a bowling alley. When we returned to the camp and we were walking back to the bunks, Blanche suddenly stopped dead. She began to shake, and holding her face in her hands, she said, It's trying to get into my head. I had seen The Exorcist a few years earlier, and this sounded eerily familiar. Using my Jungian training, I put my arms around her and visualized us surrounded by white light. I recalled from my reading that this would serve as a sort of psychic shield. Sean, who must have thought the Americans were having one over on him, stood a few feet away in silence. Blanche continued to breathe heavily and was still shaking. Just then, headlights illuminated all three of us and a car pulled up and jerked to a stop about ten feet away. From the driver's side came a quick-moving figure. This was Stanley, also not his real name, and he ran over to us. He took Blanche from me and guided her to his car, yelling at her for letting her guard down, that he knew you were vulnerable. He put her in the passenger seat, told us to get in the back, and drove us down to the set of residences used by some of the staff who were not counselors. 
On the short ride there, Stanley kept slapping Blanche's thigh, saying, Hey! Hey! trying to get her attention while she was still trembling. Sean and I, in the dimly lighted back seat, bouncing as the car drove over what was not really a road, glanced at each other as if to say, What the hell is going on? After parking, Stanley dragged Blanche to his room. Sean and I followed, unsure of what else to do. Stanley set her on his bed and began making some mesmer passes at her face, as if to put her in a trance. She began to calm down, and that gave Stanley a chance to explain to us what was going on. There's an evil spirit here in the camp. He hangs out in the trees and looks for victims to possess. Usually he can't find anybody, but he found Blanche right after she got to camp. I figured out what was going on, and I've been helping her. I got her a little stoned, and that let him possess her just enough so I could talk to him and find out what his story was. I have enough psychic powers, I can usually keep him away. He looked at me. The reason you couldn't help her out there is because you're just a weak medium, and you didn't have enough strength to push him out. I nodded. As you might imagine, no one had ever mentioned this particular facet of my abilities to me before. She'll be okay now. She can stay here with me. After a brief pause filled with too many unspoken questions, Sean and I stood. He lived in that same building and just had to walk down the hall. I had to walk several hundred yards back to the bunks, first through some woods and then across an open field. I walked quickly, rapidly glancing back and forth when I saw some light or some ghostly shape at the extreme edges of my vision. I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do believe in spooks. I do believe in spooks. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. I do. Now, I believe in metaphysics, that there is a supernatural noumenal world beyond our measurable phenomenal one. I think there are such things as ghostly presences, that the energy of someone who died may linger in that spot. I felt strange vibrations in two places in the Mock Chunk Opera House in Jim Thorpe, PA and several times felt an eerie sensation at a particular place in the Japanese house exhibit at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. Although a subsequent visit turned up no odd sensations, so I assume they have exercised that spot. From what the new owners of my wife's family's property in Hermony, PA told us, my wife's late aunt and her dog would occasionally appear to the new owner's daughter, and she encouraged the daughter to jump on the bed, which my wife's aunt let her do when she would go there as a child for a visit. Since that time, they've had another baby, and as she grew, she has reported seeing the woman and her dog as well. As for Stanley and Blanche, I really don't know what was going on there. Less than a week later, the camp's directors fired the pair. Stanley disappeared in the night, and the crying Blanche was driven away by her parents who came to get her. We stood around at a distance, observing her departure, trying not to get involved. A few weeks later, it all seemed forgotten. Then one night at dinner, several of us were joking around about something, and someone bantered that I might not be very good at a particular thing, whatever it was. I responded with, Well, that's probably because I'm just a weak medium. I glanced at Sean, who looked surprised. He leaned over to me and said, Did that all really happen? I nodded slowly. But when people asked what happened, we just shrugged it off. I'm not sure if we ever talked about it again. But since there was never any other indication of someone getting possessed that summer, or the next, when I came back for a second round, I have to conclude that perhaps it was not a real ghost, but a shared hallucination between Stanley and Blanche. But then what do I know? 
I'm just a weak medium. Anything you want to hear more about from this podcast? I can elaborate. Just send your request to Stephen Schramm at musifier.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-C-H-R-U-M at musifier, M-U-S-O-F-Y-R.com. Or leave a message at 724-835-4074, and I'll see what I can do. I receive no cash for products I mentioned, but please feel free to throw money at me to advertise here. For more information on my works, check out my website, musifier.com. For written works, search for me on Smashwords as Stephen Schramm or Musifier, or find me on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. This is Stephen Schramm. Thanks for listening to Audio Chimera. <laughs>